Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two friends who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm Courtney. Hi, I'm Kay. How are you? Um, you know, I'm okay. Okay. Actually, I had a really good weekend. Um, Friday, I worked, but I worked the Paw Patrol live show which means that the show ended at 7.30, which is when shows are usually starting right. at the theater. And so I was out of the building by 8.30. That's incredible. So, and because I'm part-time, I'm not legally allowed to work a shift that's less than four hours. So when I work a three and a half hour shift like I did, I still get paid for four hours. Nice. Um, so I did that Friday night and then Saturday I, um, um, worked with my mom at the house, just getting some last stuff. I finally have absolutely nothing of mine in the old house anymore. Um, and then I worked Saturday night again, but again, it was, you know, a Paw Patrol shift. And then Sunday... Sunday morning, Dan and I made breakfast because we do that sometimes mm-hmm. on the weekend. We like to have cute, cute. Um, we I'll like come over early and we'll make breakfast, and um, we made candied bacon. I love candied bacon. But while we were making it, we also decided what the show that we are YouTube show that he and I are going to make. Yeah, it. and it was mostly his idea too. Okay, so like, right. Um, because you know me, and I was talking abandoned about, me. No, no, no. I but I was talking because he had asked me. It was funny. He asked me. He was like, "Would you give up teaching to like do like social media like full time?" And I was like, "Absolutely not." And there's so much work involved that people don't realize. <laughs> yeah, and. <laughs> But then I was talking about how there's this and like you and I have this. And then like, I technically own a company to like host everything under because you and I are doing this and my dad is going to have a podcast and like my dad and I want to have one that we're working on together that we've been coming up with ideas for. And then Dan came up with this idea and he was like, so what you're saying is you are quitting teaching to do social media. (laughs) I was like, it's not out of the question which is terrifying but i don't make enough money yet for it to actually be the question oh i don't know oh i don't know what happened i lost everything's great i was just saying that um i don't make enough money to actually quit teaching yet although i also don't make money teaching so like yeah yeah so there's that um but so what what did you ever in school have the thing where you had to write the steps on how to make a peanut butter sandwich and then the teacher tried to make one using just your steps to show how like details are important. Um, Not a peanut butter sandwich, but I think we did something similar to that. Right. So Dan and I are going to do that, but we're going to eviscerate adults on the internet to do that because the number of times, like basically everything that he and I have cooked together, what has happened is we have found a video on TikTok or Instagram and then tried to make it 
only the people in the video don't actually give instructions. They give vague right. hints. And so we're just making it up as we go. <laughs> so like the bacon, it said to cook it in the oven until it was like, cook it in the oven at 400 degrees until it feels like this. And then she tapped on it in the video. And I was like, that is not a time or a texture. You gave me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not either of those things. Right. Um, but we did it. House down. But we did it successfully after also like looking up a couple other recipes and like tweaking things. And basically like we just take like eight recipes at once and then mix them and combine them and figure out how to make things that people on the internet did not explain correctly. And we want to make videos of us doing this to making fun of these people who don't know how to explain things correctly because we're two teachers following directions on the internet and it's really just ridiculous. But also for things like when we went to glaze the bacon to make the, to candy them, I was like, I was like looking for something and he was like, what do you need? I go, well, I was going to ask you for a ramekin, but I didn't think you had one. And he goes, what's that? I go, I was like, but I, but I didn't, but I was like, but a, I didn't think you had one. And he goes, a what? I go, and B, I knew you were going to tell me you didn't know what it was. <laughs> yes. He didn't have a whisk in his kitchen until I bought him one. I mean, to be fair, I don't have a whisk, but I also don't have a serving spoon. But like... I but also, you also don't cook. I used to cook a lot. I know. My apartment's so small and I'm so busy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, and we both really like cooking and every time we've ever been going to cook something, what has happened is like, other than he is really good at making omelets and I can't flip omelets or like fold them correctly. So like, that's all him. But every time we go to make a new recipe, he gets an idea of a recipe he wants to make. Isaiah will help him in the kitchen. And by the time we are done cooking, I have completely taken over the kitchen and kicked him out and done everything (laughs) my way because he's not doing it correctly. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. So we're going to make a show about how people all don't know how to make recipes. And I told my family and my dad was like, great, let's do it. And my sister goes, um, Brie was like, I absolutely want in on this. Will you just send me the links that I can watch? Because that's how I watch videos on the internet is when people send them to me directly. Um, I send you things on TikTok all the time and you don't watch them. It takes me like six months on TikTok, but if you send it to me through like a text message or like okay. a messenger, I'll be a little faster. I'm oh, faster okay. than I am with TikTok. That's fair. So I have a six month buffer period for TikTok. I think is where um, I'm at. <laughs> and then, and then after that, we went to um, his our we went to a family Christmas dinner that has been rescheduled from Boxing Day until the eighth of January because you know blizzards. Um and. We just, it was great. We had Christmas dinner and we hung out and we talked and his aunt and uncle were like sharing the story of when they got engaged and when they started dating and his cousins were talking about their wedding and we were all just sharing like love stories and it was beautiful and sweet. And then we played this game called Blank Slate. Have you ever heard of that? So basically you get a phrase where it'll say like blank um, flake or like, or like blank door. Mm-hmm. And you have to write a word to go in the blanks. Categories, but with blanks. Yes. But your goal is to match only one other person in the room. You do want to match, but yeah, just, you, <clears throat> just one. If you match so if you match with one other person, you each get three points. If you match with more than one person, you each only get one point. If you don't match with anyone, <laughs> you get no points. 
You get no so opposites categories. Got it. Yeah. But so like, it's really hard because you're like trying to make sure that you're like thinking the same as someone, but not thinking the same as everyone. everyone. And like at one point, um, the, the blank, it was blank bug. Lightning. And I, I looked at Dan and I just looked at him and I didn't say out loud, but I looked at him in a way that he literally told everyone when he shared his word, he goes, I only wrote this because I knew she was going to kill me if I wrote anything else. <laughs> Cause he calls me love bug. Mm-hmm. And if he, if he didn't write love, I was going to punch him. Right. Fair. Totally fair. But like, but then there was like times where like, I was like, so sure there was one time when I was so sure we were in the same because it was dead blank. Ringer. I was like, like, somebody did say ringer, but I was like, Deadpool. We got it. We're in sync. Deadpool. Turns out he thought the word was dad, not dead. So he wrote bod, like dad bod. Dead bod. Yes. I love it. And I was like. <laughs> I but love that. His cousin Emily and her husband Tom won because they both they kept picking things like the matching, like with each other that were so fucking random that there was no way anyone else would even remotely think of it. And I was like, ah, that's what I aspire. I aspire us to be so weirdly in sync that nobody even knows how to deal with the the things that come out of our mouths. I love it. I want to play this with you on a Zoom game night one day. Yes. I want to play it with like a big group of like random people that like just to be like, what, who, who are we? I love it. I'm in. I'm in. Random game night. Perfect. Guys um, play, just let us know. We'll uh, yeah, figure it out. We'll set up a Patreon link where you can um, donate to just do random Zoom game nights with us. How fun. One that, day. That's when, when we have like a big enough following, one day, someday, fingers crossed that this podcast ever actually makes it. Um, when we have a big enough following and we have like an actual Patreon, like we'll have like monthly zoom game nights as like one of our Patreon levels. Yes. Oh God. I'm please watch and listen to our podcast just so I can have this. Just game. so we can have game night. Like we don't, we don't even, night. we don't, we don't even actually care about the money. We just have to do that because like, otherwise we'll never make money. Um, right. Yeah. And, but we just want the game night. Oh yeah. The dream. The dream. Uh, How are you? I am well. I got very into your game talk that I forgot what I was going to talk about. Oh no! It's fine. I'm very invested in game night. Um. Huh. What did I do this week? I worked. You saw some Broadway shows, and you were Broadway shows, movies. Oh my gosh! I just want to talk about things I'm watching. That is all I want to talk about right now. Okay. Speaking of kitchens, I went and saw, I understand it's on HBO Max, but I have a season pass for Alamo. It cost me a dollar to go see in theaters. I went and saw The Menu with Ralph Fiennes, Anya Joy Taylor, Anna, Anya Joy, Anna Taylor Joy, Anna Taylor Joy, Anna Taylor Joy, her name out of order. Yeah. And, um, it was incredible. The commercial. I now I was like, I don't I've never heard of that movie, but then when you said it was Ray Fines and Anya Taylor Joy, I was like, I do remember the commercials for that and it looked so good. It's on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. Okay. Highly recommend. It's a psychological okay. thriller. It's not scary. It's just twisty. It's incredible. I went and saw it in the theaters and I 
like me and one other guy were the only two people that waited until the end of the credits because i just like needed to know everyone involved like in this movie so good so um i never watch movies you know that i'm not i know i don't go see them but you know what i watched this weekend i forgot glass onion oh my gosh i watched that it's so good so good i love a good whodunit go watch see how they run also on hbo max and it's got uh, Sam. I forgot his last name. And a uh, ladybird, Sorsha Ronan, and Sam. So, oh, love that! So good, so good. And uh, Glass Onion, and Glass Onion is on Netflix, and it's got everyone. Yes, and it's the sequel to Knives Out. If you haven't seen that, it's incredible too. But it's um, also it's also not actually a sequel. It's an anthology. It's the same detective, but they're the cases are not related. Right. Which is important because I've never seen Knives Out, and so I needed to make sure oh God, before I watched this. No, I know it's on our list, but it's right now it's not streaming anywhere free. You have to rent it. Oh, it's a bummer. And so when we were going to watch Glass Onion, I was like, do I need to have seen Knives Out first? Oh. So we Googled it, and we you didn't. So it was fine because, yes, I would like to watch Knives Out, but I didn't want to pay $4 for it on Saturday. My mom, my dad hadn't seen it. Only me and my mom had seen Knives Out. Um, but so I watched that, and I started watching kaleidoscope which have you heard of this this is the new show on netflix that you can watch in any order you want as long as you watch the white episode last weird and so like that i don't like that oh my gosh it brings so much joy to my chaotic heart it like the episodes aren't numbered they're colored and it has a big intro and a big outro so i got dog hair in my mouth so that you like never so you can like stop it if you're watching in a certain order so i chose to watch it in the rainbow order before i looked up and a lot of other people apparently did too but a lot of people are just watching it how netflix puts it out because they put it out in a different order for everyone except the white episodes last um but i chose to be a little chaotic about it and pick an order of i did the rainbow order so it's Roy G. Biv, but there's no indigo. There's a pink. So I did Roy G. BVP as I'm watching it. Um, and I, I'm currently on G. But, like, so much chaos. And apparently this is similar to the style, how they did Black Mirror Bandersnatch. But I never finished Black Mirror, which I want to watch first. And now I feel like that's my next endeavor, is to, like, go watch Black Mirror just so I can watch Bandersnatch. And, like, I never knew how much I needed this kind of chaotic like happiness in my life but it brings me so much joy I can't explain to you the anxiety that I feel not having a chronological order to watch things in well there is someone who released it um who like released a list they're like we're not going to give it away but this is the chronological order if you want to watch it how it's released I did just see that um I googled order to watch it in and i saw a lot of people talking about different color orders and then i saw one that was like a chronological order and then i saw one that was like this is the order netflix gave it to me in, and this is why i think it's the best order and yeah, they're really good at no spoilers though because i looked at a lot of lists yeah <clears throat> yeah like i picked mine and then looked at a lot of lists to see my else picked it they had i mean it's the rainbow obviously somebody else picked it right but i felt very innovative and anyways brings me so much joy so i am all about my movies my tvs this week I am just I just, sh- I just accidentally put cheese in my microphone. 
do not do that. Um, so I'm on an emotional high, but you know what? I would also love, love, love to be on a spiritual high. Well, you know what? Um, I think that the emotional high you are on fits in perfectly with the spiritual high because today's um, sweary words of affirmation are, I trust in myself because I am a total badass. So true. So yeah. true. I love it. Um, so that said, today is Thriller Thursday. And we are in between seasons of Bates Motel. So it's movie time, which means we're doing one of my favorite and one of the most controversially rated and innovative movies of its time, of our time, of ever, The Blair Witch Project. No. Do not tell me your thoughts should I have a place for you before I start. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have okay. organized my notes. <laughs> okay. I will sit here and wait to be spoken to. I would also like to point out that my mug says, I'm just here to establish an alibi. And it is filled with wine. And it matches my lip color, which means it, it doesn't stain my lips, which is totally cool. Um, mine uh, is, says teacher off duty. Um, because that's how I feel right now. Um, yeah, um, and I turned off. I'm done. Yeah, I'm um, sort of established an alibi. Pretty standard. Nothing yeah. crazy. This film was released July 30th of 1999. So we are in the era of Stargate. Just a few months after the season finale. Oh boy, are we ever. It was rated 6.5 out of 10. Which makes sense based on how the ratings went. Because most people rated it a 9 or 10 or a 1 or 2. There was not a lot of in-between. Not a lot of in-between. Which I think really sets apart the different types of people there are. Because this show was very clearly made for one type of people and not for the other. So, the meta score. I'm, I'm going a little off book today. I've gotten a little bit of a different... I'm, I'm just waiting because I... Guys, you don't know, like, Courtney and I talk all the time, but there are certain things we don't talk about until we get on here. And if you watched last week, you know I've never seen this movie until right now. And so Courtney has absolutely no idea any of my feelings. Except she has them. That and is except, all I know. Except for that I have them, yeah. Um, and I have made clear my love of this film because I've seen it a few times. Um, the Metascore rating was 81. Which is very high. Mm -hmm. And it got really good critic scores from the well-renowned critics. It was more the, the people scores that were mm -hmm. not great. So, which usually I'm the opposite on. Usually I'm more with the people and less with the critics. But I am with the critics this time. Um, Christopher Brandon of TNT Rough Cut said the what you don't see element makes this an excellent film for people with overactive imaginations and if that's you it will scare the living crap out of you which is why it scared the living crap out of me because my mind spirals for those of you who haven't noticed already my mind spirals when i watch things and there were no real answers which left a lot of room for interpretation um 
Roger Ebert, Ebert, I never say his name right. Ebert. Ebert, you know, the big critic that everyone knows, um, gave it four stars. I, you know, I usually agree with him. I know. It was, uh, I usually don't. (laughs) It was filmed in Maryland. Um, This movie had a budget of $60,000. That is not a lot of money. Very low. And one of the points we will probably talk about that I'm going to bring up now, though, um, the actors were paid very low. They were paid $1,000 a day, but that comes out to $8,000 for each actor, which means over a third of the budget paid the mm-hmm. actors. That means that they had, oh my God, I have to do math now, 32, 60 minus 32, 28, I mean, 30, 28, what's four what, times? Where are you getting 32? There's only oh, it's three 24. It's 24. Yeah. <laughs> so $36,000 to make this movie, mm-hmm. aside from paying the actors. Yeah. Opening night, they got $1.5 million. Overall, their gross was $104 million, $140 million. And worldwide, they made $248 million on this indie film. No. They had a $60,000 budget for. I want to share something that this is not even about my opinions. I'm still not getting to my opinions. For those of you who don't know, other than Courtney and Jill, who we talk about a lot, my best friend, who I do all my drama stuff with at work, Rachel, is 17 years older than me. So she was very much the target audience of this movie. And she was telling me that the most interesting thing was that when it was in theaters... It was in theaters for probably a few months before there was any press. So when it first came out, people didn't know it wasn't real. No, we're not talking about that yet. But But she did because one of those actors was her TA at New Pulse. And so I... I'm one degree of separation away from one of the actors in the movie. She worked with him. Get which one? Michael. I, I was going to say, I bet it was Michael Williams. Yeah, it was Michael. <clears throat> and um, yeah, so, and she was like, we're not really close now, so I can't like give you his information or anything. But like, so I have a different perspective on the background stuff of it because I literally know one of the guys in the movie. That is very fun. That is very fun. Um. One of the fun facts about their wages is because it did make so much, they did end up making more on the other yeah. side. Um, yeah. Michael actually came out and said in an interview that he think he got that he thought he got to like close to three hundred thousand right after the release. Like, so mm-hmm. they did end up like making yeah. money from it too. Um, now to our regularly scheduled information, the number one song at this time was "Wild Wild West" by Will Smith. Which is only because that movie came out about a week before this one did. And that is the only reason, because the next day the song changed. Um, Because it kept trying to tell me July 31st facts and not July 30th. Well, see, I also, what I do when I look at the the facts, I don't look at the actual day. Mm -hmm. I look at that week. Because the way that the Billboard records work for things, it really only tabulates it weekly, not daily. So, like... If it came out on a Friday, the weekend's on Saturday. So, like, so like the last episode of Stargate came out on March 12th. 
So the new, the new, new song was announced on March 13th, but I didn't use that because I didn't like the, the week of. Yeah. So it's. I, um, I look at number one song on my birthday and then I go to number one movie on my birthday and then number one book on my birthday. Oh, and then also I, when I look at on this day, it has like, it usually has some listed. Yeah, no, I go to the actual billboard records, yeah, I don't. the, the box, the box office domestic records and the New York times actual list. So I get look- my job, <laughs> but not for the podcast. No, I do. I do it for the podcast. I look at the weekly records. Um, yeah, well, Blah Blah Bliss by Will Smith. Bless. The number one movie was Runaway Bride. Oh, hung yes. In there yes. Um, what a good, good going for a while. And the number one book was Hannibal by Thomas Harris. I think I've heard of that book. Oh, I know I have. I'm pretty and sure that. Hannibal? Yeah, but I'm, pre- I'm pretty know. sure that the, um, isn't the TV show based more on the that book than the original the book? Williams. Or Red Dragon or whatever the first actual book was. Yeah, I um I don't know much about the TV show. I've only seen the movies. Yeah, NBC's television series uh Hannibal with the this book and elements from this book were incorporated because it's supposed it's like a unauthorized sequel to the silence of the lambs and okay and so the the tv show uses this book to talk about what happens later yes you watch the tv show i haven't but i've heard nothing but good things oh and that like i've heard i've heard that it's really good and it got cut short like i did hear it got cut short because of like budget and network and because it, it was didn't um, get what, a great following at first. When it didn't get a great following, and it was what, like 2012 yeah. NBC? Like that was a weird time for TV. Yeah, um, I've only seen the movies, so I didn't. I didn't know much about the show itself. I'll watch it one day, I'm sure. Yeah, I did pull out the uh, the television dreams list this week and started. Oh, did you watching some stuff? I did. Nice. It's been great. Um, on this day, I have three birthdays. Okay, like um, the day of their actual birthday or the day they were born? Like like they were turning 12 or like... One and two. One and two. Oh, okay. So it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was born in 1947 on this day. Okay. Kate Bush of newly renowned fame from Stranger Things was born in 1958. And Joey King... Who played Gypsy Rose was born on this day, July thirty. Yay, Joey King! I love Joey King. I do too, and I feel uncomfortable when I watch her in a lot of things. And it's like meant to be that way, <laughs> so she does a good job. Yeah, like every role she plays, she plays like an uncomfortable role. Yes, I think. Um, yeah, but she's a great actress to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Um, the most popular film at this time, not on this day, but at this time, was from our one and only beloved um, M. Night Shyamalan, The Sixth Sense. Yes, I was I was trying to figure out the date. I was which like, 99, one, yeah. 99, which one would that be? It would definitely have to be one of the older ones. Yes, The Sixth Sense would be 99. That checks out. It's right, because Haley Joel Osment, child, got it. Yes, yes. <laughs> um. So, the directors, there's two of them. First one is Daniel Merrick. He is known for, like, two things. He, other than, he is known for Blair Witch. 
Yeah. He's known for Book of Shadows, which is chapter two of Blair Witch. Yeah. Which he didn't actually participate in. They just got writer credit because they created it. Um, they tried, fun fact about how this worked out, they tried to be involved, but the studio wanted it like immediately because of how much money the first one made. And they were like, you have to wait on these things. And they were like, no. And so they were like, fine, we're going to step back and you guys can just do it. Needless um, to say, the second one, not rated nearly, nearly the way the first one is. Everyone says the second one sucked. Um, even though it has the guy from uh, Bird Notice in it, but he's he's hit or miss anyways. Wait, wait which guy from Bird Notice? The, guy. the main, the guy? He's hot, though. He is, but he's so hit or miss on his acting. And, like, things he's I've hot. really only watched him in Bird Notice. I've seen him in a couple things in passing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so they ended up trying, the directors, they told the directors of that one that they would, like, give credits on the screenwriting. I mean, give um, yeah. credit critiques and stuff on the screenwriting. They would add if they needed to. They gave them the backstory of the Blair Witch, uh, thing um and then like the directors just like ignored everything they said and they were just like great cool. fine just call us when it's time for the premiere then and we'll show up like they just like were not involved <laughs> so um but credited because you know they did come up with the idea of the Blair Witch. right um, and this movie called the objective i don't know anything about it except that every person involved in this film is also involved in that film so it was probably just like an indie filmmaking like thing that they yeah. did before then and that like didn't pick up the way this one did. Sounds yeah. about right. I think, it was, I think it was after. I think it was after because oh, they graduated wait. film school in 93 and immediately started discussing Blair Witch. Mm. Um, David Merrick and Edward Eduardo Sanchez. Um, and when, uh, when was the filming of Blair Witch? Like when did that actually happen? 98. Okay, yeah. So then that would have been after Michael graduated from New Paltz because he was a TA in the 95-96 year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, um, I think they had all just graduated. That makes sense. They all just like come into that era of like mm-hmm. early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Joshua Davidson was thir- was 23 at the time. He just turned 23. Yeah. And I think they're all roughly the same age. Yeah. Um, and Daniel Merrick's from Sarasota, Florida. Cool. I add that because I have no other information on him. Fantastic. Now, Eduardo Sanchez, on the other hand, has taken off and run with his expertise. Because not only is he known for Blair Witch as his mm-hmm. first big debut, um, and then being not- notable for the second one, Yeah, he also is the director of the new charmed series which i haven't watched but i heard it actually came out pretty good i yeah i i never watched it because i was very concerned that that wouldn't be the case yeah i uh, i also had that thought um but i heard it was actually pretty good um yellow jackets which is the best new tv show that's come out in the past 10 years will really? say that no doubt it's incredible it's on showtime so you have okay. to like get a free subscription i think I think Rachel paid for Showtime and I like used it for like a week or something. Um, American Horror Stories Part 2, which was better than Part 1. Nancy Drew, which I also thought was really well done. Supernatural. Okay. Lucifer. Love it. And this is not his only found footage film. He did indeed direct vhs2 which came out in 2021 around halloween okay. um on shutter i think it came out other places too but it was like a big shutter film okay um, 
I I heard the VHS movies weren't good though. I told you that. <laughs> no, but, but I, you weren't I the only one that I heard that from. Oh, good. Yeah, I did not like them, but I heard the first one was okay, and the second one they tried too hard on. And I didn't watch the first one because I didn't realize there were different ones. Mm. Um, I just watched the second one, um, and they had okay. another third one come out this year that I just didn't even bother to watch. Um, but he didn't give up his love of found footage and he did fine with it. Everyone else like watched it. So whatever. Right. He, um, was born in Cuba and he is married to May Sanchez, who was also involved in VHS too. All right. Um, our writers, so it's an indie film, very straightforward. Yeah. Um, the writers are Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez. Mm -hmm. Um, Heather Donahue, one of the main actors, the, the actress, um, she is credited for she's well she's an uncredited uh, writer for the documentary material. Um, she has also acted in It's Always Sunny and Outer Limits. She's had very small roles and has done very little acting. She did release a book called Grow Girl in 2012 because after this film came out, she had a hard time finding work. Um, and she became a cannabis grower. All right. So, but she's like thriving now. She's fine. Um, so now for our cast, um, Michael C. Williams, who you mentioned. Yes. He is known for Blair Witch, Altered, The Objective, um, which are things I don't know. He ended up going more into the teaching route than the acting route. Yeah. Um, so he's, I think he's still a professor somewhere. Um Checks but one fact about him, his press kit for Blair Witch Project was the press kit he had written for his character and no yeah. one realized it. And so they released it to the New York Times with it as his, like his press kit. Sounds and out. he used to like play baseball for the Yankees, like farm group. I don't know how the words in baseball work. Farm, but, like, yeah. 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 Um, uh. And he did not. He did not know. <laughs> but he had made up this whole story for his character. <laughs> and that's what they released as his press kit. Yeah. Um, I will say things that I know about him. What Rachel said is that he was one of those guys in college who was like really super mm -hmm. into. Oh, God, my phone just freaked out. Um, really super into like creating his art, like, but not in a douchey way. Like, so like she was like he was the perfect person for a movie like this because like even though it was like fucked up what they did to them he totally would have just been like but like the art like i think was, all three of them were like that which is what yeah which yeah. really helped because if it was somebody not like that it would have been a lawsuit um, like, even even heather had come out and said she was like at the time she was like you're not gonna get a sag actor to do this she's like there's no meal breaks there's no it's 24 7 filming she's like you can't get that same level of creativity that Blair Witch got 20 yeah. because of this. Right. So, no. Like, and like, he was the kind of person that like, um, was just like living for making the shit like this. So, um, yeah. So last, but certainly not least, I called him Joshua Davis. That is not his name. His name is Joshua Leonard. Okay. Um, we know him. Do you? Do we? we do. I mean, he looked vaguely familiar, but, like, I also, I don't know, the camera work is not ideal on the show. Right. So, some of the things that he's known for, the movie If I Stay, which I haven't watched, but I've read the book, and it's incredible, by Gail Foreman. Yeah. Definitely recommend the book if you haven't read it. 
I haven't watched the movie, so I can't cannot confirm nor deny if it's good. Right. Togetherness, which is with um oh my gosh, the guy I love. Mark Mark Duplass. I haven't watched it, but I love Mark Duplass, so Okay. Something called Hump Day. No idea. He has a role on the new MacGyver. Um, it's a small role. I think it was like a like a one part. I don't know if it was like oh. it was anything big. He was in the film that came out in 2021, Unsane, that was really good. He pay- played the crazy doctor. But don't worry. That's not the only place we've seen him as a doctor. He played Dr. James from Bates Motel. That was the psychology professor when um, Norma was back in college. Right? You know what? I do know who he was on Bates Motel, or on MacGyver. Because I wasn't thinking of him as, as, as skinny as he was in, um, in this. Well, that's a fun thing you say that because he was that skinny because he had just gotten done kicking a heroin habit right before he did Blair Witch Project. Well, that was you know, the, good, the next thing good. he did after kicking heroin. Mm-hmm. So uh, Good for him for getting clean and then still killing it. Yeah, he was... Uh, he did a great job. He was born in Houston, and we've already mentioned, but he was married to Allison Pill, who I know most notably from Scott Pilgrim, but she's also been in a ton of other things. Confessions of a Teenage Travel Queen. Yes, also that. Yes, also that. Um, another fact before we get into it, there's a video game of Blair Witch Project. I tried to play it on Game Pass. It terrified me. I couldn't play it. So <laughs> I, do, I think it's probably a great game because I was too scared to play it through. Okay. But I didn't finish it, so I can't tell you how it goes. Fantastic. Uh, so now I want to know, what did you know about this movie before we got into it? And what did you think going in? <clears throat> okay. So before I saw the movie, um, the thing that I like to explain to a lot of my friends is that I don't watch movies, but I will watch every single YouTube channel that explains behind the scenes shits of movies. Like I know everything that has happened on set of every movie, even though I've never seen any movies. Like I could tell you probably more about the Fast and Furious franchise than people who've wa- actually mm-hmm. watched those movies. I'm a fucking weirdo. That's all right. Um, so I knew, um, obviously that it was found footage style, but that it was mostly scripted. Not entirely. So, yes and no. It was scripted in the sense that the words that they said are obviously their own words. Right. But, like, the, the, the three of them, they said what they were actually thinking. But they were very, very, very much manipulated. Yes. Yes. And, and a lot of the manipulation is borderline illegal. Yes. Um, and had it been anyone different, it would yeah. not. But no, I, I don't. On the other side, everything I read from the actor's point on the other side, they were all still appreciative of this film because what it did for film. Yeah. And, I mean, they all had, you know, they were, they were scared and stuff mm-hmm. when they were home for a few months, but they, it wasn't as, traumatically abusive as like Hitchcock films um because of the people they picked it could have well, been it could have well I was gonna say it wasn't was it not as traumatically abusive or was it 
more accepted by the victims. Cause I think that that's the difference. Cause I do, I do think that some of the things that they did border on just as bad as things Hitchcock did. No, I, I think so. Except I think the difference was when they signed their contracts mm-hmm. over, they had language in there that says, um, we're going to mess with your head. We're going to make this feel real. We're going to like, like they warned them that it was going to be things that were uncomfortable to say the least. Right. Going in. And so at least it was a little more like they were prepared that they weren't going to like things. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't like the deliberate lie of like, you will definitely have fake birds, not real ones. And then just kidding. They're real. Like, so it was, it was just as abusive, but maybe not as um, shady. Right. They were very open about their, (laughs) their uh, abuse. And uh, I think at the time, the actors, at least what they've said in previous, like future statements, they were all, even though they didn't know what they were getting into, they still didn't feel the abuse because they appreciated where it went. Well, and I think that that's fascinating because I wonder if the movie had not been received well and had not been successful, would they have felt the same? Because I don't think so. I don't think so either because I don't think, because a lot of the things they say about it is stuff that like what it did for the genre, what they did that you can't do now that became such a big hit and it's never going to be as big as it was then. And like, so I, I definitely think that like you're onto something with the fact that like they wouldn't feel the same. It's, it's just like, and like, I hate to say it, but I think that's almost worse than the way some of the other things happen in like Hollywood, because like, it's the same as like a musician who like, who like, you've got like those kids who are abused into doing better in music, but then it doesn't matter because they become first violinist in a philharmonic orchestra. Right. Like, and it's like Michael Jackson's tragedy didn't become as deeply understood until it was too late. Like, so I don't know. Deeply understood until after his death. That's what I'm saying. Like until it was like, like when you, when you look at what was revealed in the like Finding Neverland documentary and you find like you realize how much the scandal of him like abusing these kids wasn't actually him abusing kids. It was the deeply rooted fucked up nature in his own head. Mm-hmm. And like I wonder if if these three had stayed in a position of spotlight, would they still appreciate what happened to them as much? I I don't think so. Um, but I also, I, think, I mean, I think they're very different people because I don't think even with the like success, I don't think everyone would have appreciated it because you look at the people who were in like, like Hitchcock films. I know I keep comparing it to it. I will the rest of this episode. Um, Hitchcock films and they to like some of them Quit acting. Some of them still have trauma to this day that they never overcame because of what happened, regardless of how big those films got. And like, so I think. Well, like, but I, I guess my question is, did have these people have Heather and James and Michael actually overcome it or just accepted it? Because I think there's a very, and this is just like getting into like psychological and like mental health, but there's a very fine line between like acceptance and acceptance and like. Healing. Yeah, healing. Yeah. Like like I like you can accept that bad things happen to you and you needed those bad things to happen to you to get to to where you are. 
and still have like a trigger point for those bad things, or you can actually fully heal. And I don't, I don't think anyone who like has deep seated trauma will ever fully heal. There's a level of acceptance that just is natural because as humans, we, we have problems with letting go. But I, I guess my question is how, how much of their, like, it's amazing that it helped film is just their, like, facade. Facade of acceptance versus their actual emotional well-being. I mean, I know they've talked about it a lot. Um, at least Heather, Heather Donahue has spoken out the most, I think, out of all of them. Um, but Which is fair did, because she was the most fucked up. Right. And she did have, she was the one who talked the most about her trauma response to it and how... She did go through months of not wanting to go to sleep, not wanting to, like, see things. Like, she did go through a lot of that. Um, she yeah, like, not, not to be spoilers, but even the movie, there's a line where she's like, I don't think I can ever close my eyes again. Right. And that is kind of how she, she didn't use those exact words because that would have been very cliche. But she did say basically the same thing for the next few months after, you know, the film aired. And and, and no. even because... I, I will get into more of the background of like what happened in between filming and release, but um, yeah, it was, it was a lot to keep up with. And I don't know. I think it depends on the person mm-hmm. and how well they heal from something mm-hmm. like that. Um, because I mean, I know I have friends who are actors who have um, had really traumatic roles. Like um, one of my friends had a role in, one of the, um, oh my gosh, the ID channel true crime films where she was the girl who was abused by her boyfriend and murdered and yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, she was like that had a lot going on, but you know, it doesn't affect her day to day now. And yes. so like, and it was a short, I mean, it was, it was a week. So it was extensive, like at one time, but in reality, it was only eight days of filming and they did have a break in between um the third day it got really bad storming outside they couldn't they didn't have access to their their walkie-talkies that stopped working Mm -hmm. and so they just walked out of the woods and found a house (laughs) and they um went to the house the people just like let them in and gave them hot chocolate and they called the directors from their phone and they got them placed in a hotel for the night so like they had like a break in the middle too it wasn't while it was technically 24 7 filming it was like in between and they would have like notes here and there they'd have like when they ran out of food there would be like a spot where there was more food and they did like decrease their rations every day to make mm-hmm. their like make them angry and you know react yeah. more badly but they never got to a point where it was like starving like even on the last day of rations they still had more to eat than some days actors still have now on their diets that they take, that they use. Whereas like actors today have like two apples a day and you can have one apple in the morning and you have to drink water and then like an apple at night or something. They had like, they were sponsored by power. Was it power bars? (laughs) Because they had to fight to use power bars in the film. Um, Power bar didn't want to like approve the use of the brand. And then when they finally did, like, to this day, apparently, the, like, crew still receives power bars from Power Bar, from how successful that film was. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, so they were, have they had, like, they made sure they had, like, proteins. They had, like, a fruit and, like, a protein bar. And, like, like they had enough stuff that they were going to survive. It would just make them angry because they were hungry. (laughs) 
Okay. Um, so it was never, that was never on the level of abuse, but it was definitely manipulation. It just wasn't quite so much like starvation. No, but I, I think psychological manipulation is almost worse sometimes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it was a good. just saying um, it's good. <laughs> fair. Um, but yeah, so, so those are kind of going into it, what you knew about it, what you thought mm-hmm. going in. Did you, how scary did you think it was going to be? I thought it was going to be absolutely petrifying. I was afraid to watch it at night. Like, that's how afraid I was. I am. Um, I also thought that the first time I watched it, I watched it for the first time in high school. And I watched it in the middle of the day with my aunt. And I was convinced it was going to be the scariest movie I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, but it does have, like, that creepy factor that just kind of hangs on. Um, which I'm not going to lie. I was not scared for a single second. And that's fine. Um, nothing. I'm... I've been holding on to this because honestly, it's one of your favorite movies and I want to talk about it. But um I have a spot for you at the end for your end thoughts as well. So we can okay. talk about your end thoughts for it. Okay. Um, okay. So going in, I also thought it was gonna be very scary. Yeah. Um and I think we could just get into it now. I'm gonna do kind of a quick run through of the film. Okay. Before we get into more discussion. This seems to be the format we're gonna take for films lately. Yeah. Um, so this is what it is now, I think. Um, so like I said, this film was for- filmed over eight days. One thing I had never done, I had never watched the trailer for this film because why would I? I didn't. I watched it after it had been out for like 10 years. Like yeah. there was no need for me to watch the trailer. Right. So I was like, you know, it was on, and I, I rented it on Amazon because I was like, I don't have time for commercials today in my life. I can't fight Pluto again. Which today. I will say, I think... My thoughts about the end of the movie, I will still talk about, but I do think that the watching it on Pluto may have negatively affected it because there wasn't room for tension because there were so many commercials. I think that's very true because the way this film does it is it revs up the tension really fast towards the end. Mm-hmm. And you're just like in at the last 20 minutes and then it's over. And yeah. If that got interrupted, I could definitely see how that would have a negative impact on it. Um, I just, I just didn't want to watch commercials because I'd already been fighting with Pluto today for Stargate, and I was like, you know what? I love this film. I'm gonna watch it on Amazon. I'll run it for four dollars. It's fine. Um, that said, I watched the trailer. Had I watched the trailer before I watched this movie, I would not have watched this movie. That's what I'm saying. I watched. I watched the tra- I've seen the trailer, and I've seen all of like I've seen clips of it in other YouTube videos. So I thought it was going to be the fucking most awful, horrifying thing that I ever experienced in my life. Right. So I thought it would be very scary, but I also was like, I don't know what the plot of this is. I don't know why I'm watching this. Like I just watching the trailer. I still. Okay. Well, I'll tell you all about it. Don't worry. I'll tell you all about it. But like, I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this film. I don't, mm-hmm. which in actuality is what they wanted from the marketing, but right. it would not have grabbed me. No. Watching the trailer. I would have been like, okay, this show is going to be dumb. I'm going to hate it. And I didn't feel that way because I went in blind on it. I didn't know anything about this film the first time I watched it, except that it was not a real story and people thought it was at one time. Okay. <laughs> that is the extent of what I knew going into this movie. Fair enough. Um, 
so we start it like a typical documentary. You have introductions to your characters. Uh, I'm sorry, I've been like coughing and sneezing all day. My this weather is garbage, awful um, garbage. Yeah. So starts with interviews. You have, um, you know, I I called them young kids. <laughs> I'm a ninety year old person now. Yes, people are in their early twenties, <laughs> <laughs> old enough to be real adults. But still younger than me. Um, but it it starts out like a school documentary would, and um, yeah. they go it from introducing themselves to interviewing people in town about this um, legend of the Blair Witch, and we learn the town is Burkittsville. It was formerly known as Blair back in the day when all this was happening. Right, and the people interviewed were such. An interesting cast because at the time of the interviews, um, Heather and Michael and Joshua did not know they were hired actors because when they were given the script, they were given a 35 page backstory of the Blair Witch legend. And that was it. Everything else was given to them in, in like notes that were handed to them each day. And um, so they thought the Blair Witch, they they knew that they were doing a fake movie that was meant to be like a real documentary that was fake. <laughs> but right. they thought the legend was real. Okay, which is fair. Yes, going into the film. And um, so they thought they were just interviewing regular town people of Burkittsville, Maryland. Okay. Or whatever town they were actually in. Um, they had no idea. The woman... There was the woman with the kid. That's the only note I took for the whole of my watching this movie was I'm with you, kid. Because she just kept telling her mom to stop talking. I was like, no, me and that kid, 100% on the same page. Why are you telling this terrifying story? Um, But anyways, I believe that is Sandra Sanchez, who was Eduardo's sister, who the town was named after because she went to Blair High School. Um. I think it was her. She was one of the interviewed, not Mary Brown, but one of the other ones. Um, Interesting. Through, they get this whole story. Um, there was a play around for a bit that the fisherman and his son were going to be um, messing with the kids the whole time. And that was going to be the like end of the story was they had been messing with them the whole time. It wasn't a real story. Oh, I and would have loved that. Well, they decided that was too Scooby-Doo. And so they Which- left it and then okay. Scooby-Doo made a parody of it as a Scooby-Doo story. So, I'm obsessed with that. I'm genuinely yeah. obsessed with that. Um, so the biggest one of all that we've interviewed is Mary Brown. She is a lunatic who lives out in the outskirts of town and is trying to tell you the story about this hairy creature that you know as a woman, regardless of whether you know her or not. Um, they say she's the only one who's had an interaction with the Blair Witch. Um, she just sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Turns out sure. um, the directors had put out a casting call at the college. And she was the only one that responded from the college. And she was known as, like, the oldest college student on campus. Um, oh, I had one of those. Yeah. So she was that person. But she ended up actually working in the art department for the film, too. <laughs> Um, and Fantastic. she like, but then she was also 
Mary Brown, who was like the crazy person telling them all these like insane stories. And so they tell you all of these stories about the Blair Witch, like in passing, and you just kind of have to try and connect the dots, which is also what the people for the documentary are doing. Um, There was one person that they interviewed that actually was a townsperson. (laughs) And when they interviewed them, they just made up an entire story about the Blair Witch and didn't even question it. And um, the directors searched later to find this person so that they could get the signed, the release or whatever. Yeah. And they were what? They couldn't find them to get a release for like form for them. And there was that's actually that's actually the creepiest part of this whole movie. Right. Isn't that insane? That's bananas. So um yeah, so then um they decide to get totally lit before they go off into the woods. They have this like party. Apparently the like the night of them drinking and partying and stuff was like the most footage that they filmed the entire time. It was like 90 minutes. Obviously, they cut it down. Um, but we, we hear all these things about this woman. She looks like a werewolf. She looks like her feet never touch the ground. She's a white mist. And it's like all con- conflicting. Mm-hmm. So it's putting all these images in your head, theoretically, if you're me. <laughs> your imagination just takes off with them. You're just spiraling already. Um, Based just on these interviews, like, with the townspeople, what did you think she was going to look like? Did you have thoughts? Like, no. No? I had no thoughts. Because there there were so many different things that they were saying that I was like, I don't even know what the fuck they're talking about anymore. That's why I asked. Because there were so so many things, like, contradicted each other. Mm-hmm. All right. So now it's time to go into the woods. The plot of this film is that there are three kids mm-hmm. going to do a film, a documentary about the Blair Witch. They don't know if they believe it or not, but they think it's going to be great for school. They don't know each other. They've just partnered up together to create this film. Um, they've borrowed equipment. They've mapped out their entire route. They're going to Coffin Rock, which is the first place that we see. And then they're going to the second place where the, like, whatever happened with, like, Mary Brown, I think, was what happened with the rocks and stuff. Yeah. Um, Those were the two places that they were meant to go, and then they were meant to go home, present this for a school project. Yes. So, they go to the Coffin Rock. Sounds terrifying. They're having a great time. Nothing happens. Night one, they make it through alive. They said, uh, Mike says he... Heard some weird noises. Maybe one was definitely an owl. Maybe some cackling. Yeah. No, that's super creepy. He's like, I don't know. Maybe it was creepy. And they're like, okay, whatever. Fine. So then at this point, they still don't believe that the Blair Witches are real. I mean, the actors believe that it's real, but the the characters do not believe at this point. Obviously. So they're joking about the dead rats. They're joking about like coming across all those things. However, they are lost. They've learned they're lost, and they give it a second. And um, we start seeing piles of rocks set up. Um, They're set up in sets of seven, which is um, one of the numbers from the Bible. Correct. Um, And they knocked them over, which was the tipping point for us knowing things were about to go bad. Um, What was I about to say? Oh, 
Fun fact, they were released into the woods with their first set of instructions and within 20 minutes had actually gotten themselves lost. And the directors I had so fully believe that. They got yeah. lost three times and the directors were like, we've made a terrible mistake. These kids are morons. But <laughs> they just got lost three times and then figured it out. <laughs> but it was That's amazing. Touch and go for a bit. Yeah, I can say that theater kids probably not the best with maps. Right. Yeah, they uh they weren't good with maps. Um so suddenly their lights go off and they start hearing noises. And then everyone decides they're too scared to go explore. They kind of want to look around. But they end up figuring out that they're just okay. Mm -hmm. They're just going to go to bed. And they go to bed. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, I just said, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, I thought you were, like, making a noise that you needed to, like, contribute. But I No, see. no. I see. That's I mean, fair. that's, that's, I mean, to be fair. Nothing's happened yet. <laughs> so. Right. But also, to be fair, um, I would just get the fuck out of there. Absolutely. Like, like, I would never. Part of it's because I don't like being outside. I also don't like being outside, so. Like, part one, I don't. Camping, not a thing I want to do ever in my life. Part two, I'm literally researching ghosts. You couldn't pay me a fuck enough money to stay there. Mm-hmm. So, like, doing it for, like, a college, like, film project, I hate them on principle as human beings. Like, the the characters, but also a little bit the actors, because, like, they did it also. So, like, right. my, my starting emotion was, like, I hope you get killed. Right, right. I, um, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I did a lot of camping growing up, and you could not pay me enough to go camping again. So, no. it's not which. To be fair, is the real reason why you can never actually date Doug because that is like a massive part of his personality. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we made it to day three. There's two more hours left in the rain. They're gonna get home. Turns out it was actually a storm coming through that day. Um. Which is the day they ended up like at the end of this day they made it out and like had to go stay at a hotel for a night. But, Perfect. Um. They were like, two more hours, we'll walk to the car, we're home free, no problems. No, no problems. They realize they're lost. And Mike is, like, real mad. And this is where they kind of start going off the rails. Um, Heather brings up t camping for another night, and they're just like, absolutely not. That is mm -hmm. insane. We have yep. to go home. Um, and they fight about it a lot. And then they decide they're doing it anyways. And they hear the same sounds as the night before. But don't worry. They made it through night three. Um, unfortunately, when they awake on day four, there are three piles of rocks outside the tent now. Which, if you didn't know before, knocking over the rocks was the issue. And now they're letting you know you've knocked over their rocks. Correct. Everyone is ready to get home. They're going about their day, and they've realized the map is lost. <laughs> Heather tells, I think she told Joshua she gave it to him, and he was like, I gave it back. And she's like, no, I keep it in one place. It's not here. Um, yeah. And then we learned that Mike destroyed the map. Just for shits. And everyone loses their minds. So, fun fact about that, the uh, 
that was one of the things the directors instructed him to do is to destroy the map. And um, he kicked it into the river. Mm-hmm. And no one saw it happen. He thought they all noticed it when he did it. And they didn't. It was like ages later that they were like, where's the map? <laughs> He's like, and that's why and that's why he was just straight up like losing his fucking mind cackling about the map being missing. Like that was amazing. It was my favorite moment of the entire movie. Because he just like couldn't believe they didn't see him do it. Um and I put it so it begins. They find food that's not theirs in the middle of the forest. Mm-hmm. See the first of the weird symbols that just they don't bode well in my imagination. No. They don't go well. There's a lot of those in the game. The more I solve them, the more I freaked out. Like, when I tell you it's a movie that just sticks with me because of my imagination, like, the way that Christopher What's-His-Face explained it is the exact reason why it was always so, like, terrifying after the fact to me. Okay. Um, And then we see, like, a body of sticks. That's what I called it. Um, oh, the, like the hanging voodoo dolls. Yeah, but it was like made out of wood. Turns yeah. out they called that Chewbacca. <laughs> what? We called it Chewbacca. Oh, I love that. I, I was like, like it, I was like, it didn't look like Chewbacca. No, no, they called it Chewbacca. I love that. Right, and now they're terrified, and they're deciding they want the camera off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, first smart decision they've made so far. Of course, of course, but Heather is determined. And she refuses to turn it off. So there's she's, she's kind of a bitch. Kind of is. Um, but that was her like her role was to like make the camera keep going. And um, for the next night, they decided they weren't going to light a fire or use flashlights. That was that- okay. They were like the first night we didn't hear anything because it was dark, and then the last two nights we did hear something because we had fire. So clearly, fire is the problem. I was like. You dumb fucking assholes. Yeah. It's um it's the spirit of Blair Witch, not the fire that's the problem. Correct. Um and as you would assume, they start hearing voices, including little children. Um, which is creepy and Michael Williams said that was actually the creepiest part to film was hearing the little children, even though he knew it was a recording. <laughs> oh, I don't doubt it for a second. And um, that was a recording of kids playing outside of Eduardo's mom's house. Okay, but can I tell you, um, to be fair, the theme song of this podcast, it's not a song, the weird, creepy noise of this podcast, like Death and Aliens, mm-hmm. is a swing set in what? slow motion. I'm sorry, excuse me. Um, my kids were playing on the playground in Thailand and my friend accidentally somehow turned her camera onto slow motion and filmed the kids swinging in slow motion. And that creepy ass sound that we use on this podcast is unedited. Abduction? Yeah, the un- the literally the opening sound of this podcast, that creepy alien abduction sound is just straight up a swing set in slow motion. That's so like, so like kids, kids are fucking creepy. Like that's- no, kids, are, kids are super creepy. Um, I would be scared even if I knew what was happening. Even if it was daytime and I just heard creepy kids out of nowhere. Like, no question. Right. No. Um, 
which did lend to more of why they didn't have as much trauma because this was a daily use park they were in. So they, a lot of times they stopped filming was because they were like kids and their parents riding bikes by them and they couldn't get them in the film. So That's... they weren't completely isolated. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Um, I, that I did not know. Yeah. Um, so they, instead they scream with, no inclination of what they see is scary here. Um, this is where Heather is yelling about seeing something. And she's like, what is that? What is that? Um, they were supposed to pan left. And one of the producers was dressed up in this like really creepy, like white stocking and all this stuff to be the Blair Witch. But yeah. instead they panicked and ran and turned right. And so they never showed the what Blair they were looking. And they decided that that created a more creepy element because people were able to like create it in their minds instead of watching it. And they decided yeah. not to repeat it, which I think was a good move. I, I would say so. Um, yeah. So also all of these sounds like sound like chanting and like a, like a children's sacrifice. Like it is so terrifying. Like just the sounds, like I don't care what's playing in the background. I don't care if it's a movie, whatever, like terrifying. But we've made it to day six and we're still alive nonetheless. Um, but one of their oh, packs wow. has been dumped upside down and there's slime everywhere. He thought that his water had been dumped out, but it turns out it was not water. It was slime, um, which was actually KY jelly. Um, they just out of ten. terrified reactions of everything. Um, and then they say this really like, I think insightful line yeah. that, kind of gets lost in what this movie is but um she's hiding behind the camera so much filming and joshua gets behind the camera and then he goes oh i get it now i get why you never turn this camera off he was like it gives you an escape from reality because if you're looking through the lens it's not really reality yeah Yeah, no i loved that that was that was the only time that was the one line that i was just like damn okay yeah i was like that is because she was trying to make it a reason for her to be keep doing it. And that just kind of like summed up what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all having mental breaks at this point. Um, and then as they're walking for ages, they show up at the same log they were at before. Oh my God. When she started crying that it was the same log. I know you're supposed to be a little bit scared, but actually... I wanted to reach into the TV and fucking karate chop her in the throat. I wanted to hug her. Nope. I've, I've never been so annoyed at a human being's existence. But if you think about it, like if you're stuck in the woods, this is day six, you're lost in the woods for four of the six days you're there. You're just trying to convince yourself that everything's okay. And you just get to that breaking point where you can't anymore. Because it's so yes, crazy. except for the fact that she has been so bossy and so mean to the boys that when she finally started crying, I was like, I wanted to punch her because I was like, it's your fault. It is her fault. And she does say that. She um, does say that later. I did appreciate when she later was like, nope, everything is my fault. I was like, okay, good. We're all on the same page here. So we learned that we've been walking south all day and they've somehow ended up back where they started um and then they start talking about food and how hungry they are and they're just just losing it mm-hmm. and then we get to day seven and they wake up and joshua's gone 
and Heather and Mike freak out. They I don't mean, know what to do. I would also freak out. Yeah. He's dead. Absolutely, um, I would assume he's dead. And they just, they're like, we're going to wait and see if he comes back. They just try to get through it. They start talking about wine. And I was like, I also want a Bordeaux. And they were like, what's your favorite thing to do on a Sunday? And bless her heart. She's like, I used to like going to the woods and hiking. After <laughs> this, and I was, that was funny. Like, yeah. And um, they just kind of like tuck in for the night. And they start hearing agonizing shouts that sound like Josh. And, uh. They decide that they're going to try and stay awake as long as they can so that neither one of them goes missing again. And, of course, they don't. But they wake up the next day, and she's like, here's a video recording. I want to show you Mike's still here. We're fine. Everything's okay. Um, until they open the door, and there's a bundle of uh, wrapped-up sticks. And um, we find that she she moves them out of the way because she's like, I'm just going to move them. I'm just going to move them out of the way. Um, Mike is rocking back and forth like he's losing his mind, but he found some cigarettes, so he's a little bit... A little. He's at least he got the, the nicotine on... He's not on edge anymore. Yeah, and uh, one of the directions the directors gave her was to unwrap the bundle of sticks because she did not do that. And when she unwrapped them, there were teeth and blood and hair. Um, the teeth were actually from, I think it was Eduardo's dentist office. And um, the hair was actually Josh's hair, though. Um, no one was injured for this. It just was like, this, these are places that had it. Um, and Mike is now, like, eating dry leaves. Like, they're literally losing their mind. Um, mm -hmm. And this is when she has her monologue. This is the monologue that she's known for mm -hmm. for the rest of her life. Because yes. it's all improvised. She said that this is one of the only times you're going to see something like this on TV because it's from an unflattering angle that's not clear, it's ugly crying, and it's pure and it's raw. She's like, now everything is scripted. Everything has to be a certain look, especially for women in Hollywood. She was like, this is one of the only films you're going to see that in, that it's actually pure and raw like that. And not, mm, I think I think they're moving Moving, I mean, I think they're moving more into letting people be ugly on mm -hmm. TV now. But I think at the time, for sure, for sure, that was not a thing. I think it, they are moving into letting people be ugly, but I don't think it's less, like, I don't think it's less scripted. Oh, no, 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 no. Like, that's still scripted, but it's not as raw. It is, like, pure acting it's not pure emotion for sure it's for fine. sure but they're they're moving away from the idea that everything has to be wrapped in a bow to be to be real yeah yeah which is nice because you know reality isn't wrapped in a bow by any means right um but yeah she apologizes to all the parents she takes the blame for it all she says she's scared to close her eyes and then she's scared to open them um and this is when they find the house that's called rudder place i think which is an anagram of rasputin in case you're wondering Love it. they made rudder house a rudder I don't, rudder place whatever it was was uh rasputin i have a, i have the trivia i'll come back to it because i have the trivia saved okay. uh they used they used a couple of anagrams for the film um 
so they go into the house because that's what genius people do in the middle of the night and they hear Josh screaming. You walk in, you see handprints on the walls, clothing and debris are on the floor and they hear him upstairs. So they run upstairs and then they hear him downstairs. They run downstairs. Heather's screaming like a lunatic for Mike when the camera, when Mike has the camera and we see the camera hit the ground and then Heather finds him and he's standing in the corner as the camera hits the ground again just like the legend told from the townspeople because when someone is put in the corner the other person is being killed yeah so and that's where we end and uh that is the only scene that they reshot multiple times because they had to be very careful in the house not to hurt themselves Um, and the direction that was given was Initially, it was given that Mike had to stay in front of her at all times so that she would come down there and find him already set up in the corner. She didn't just follow him and, you know, he had to be set in the corner. But, um, I mean, they performed it so many times that it was, they knew what was going to happen by the time they got there. Yeah. So that was, that was acting. That was not pure horror at that point. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh. I have a ton of trivia, but do you have, do you want to discuss your thoughts or do you want me to tell you the trivia and then discuss your thoughts? I mean, just give me the trivia first because I don't. So I did say some of these. Um, So after the movie was filmed, but before it was released, the actors were instructed to stay home and not be seen for a year because IMDb and the screen, anyone early information marked them as missing or presumed dead mm-hmm. because it was meant to be a real film um it's some of the most incredible marketing i've ever seen they created a website a year before the movie was released to like hype up the blair witch um people were already going to burkittsville before the movie was released because of the legend that had come out um and it was so well hidden that it wasn't first of all wasn't real and what actually happened that i think that's why i ended up making so much too because it was a secret that no one knew we didn't have the internet was like brand new then so people were like spoiling it on facebook like you know yeah so that said the actor's parents started receiving condolence letters when they looked at the imdb links and it said missing or presumed dead Oh my god! Um, so that's that amazing. It's yeah, not amazing, uh, but like it's amazing. It's amazing and terrible at the same time. Like, right? Could you imagine? Um. So do I said these? So they had a diff- couple of different storylines they wanted to introduce, and they decided they wanted it to be more realistic than scripted. Okay. They wanted Josh and Heather to be a love interest at first. That would have been um, annoying, and I would have Well, they also played around with the idea that Josh and Heather had been a couple who broke up, and that's why they were arguing. Oh, I um, They also had an idea that, so <laughs> Heather Donahue, whenever she went in to do the film, she asked the directors if it was a snuff film, <laughs> because she thought that it was going to be like a murder type thing. <laughs> Um, it was not, thankfully. Um, yeah. But one of the lines was that 
Josh had decided to kill Heather and he had like signed up people to help him kill him. That was one of the theories people had about the film. Um, but in reality, Josh and Heather fought the most and the directors had to step in multiple times and tell them to stop arguing because they wanted Mike to be the one that was the most, um, uh, what's the word against everyone in contradiction with everyone else. Um, So they had to, they had to really fight that. So they're kind of a lot of Josh and Heather fighting. Cause like in real life, Josh and Heather fought a lot. Um, Jason Bloom passed on this film. Who? Jason Bloom um, from Bloomhouse Productions. Oh, I don't know who that is. Does a lot of horror films now. Um, Okay. He passed on this one and went on to make Paranormal Activity, which was influenced by this film and not nearly as good. It's a terrible storyline and honestly really poorly done. Um, So... But he made a lot of money on it, so whatever, I guess, for him. Right. Um, the audition process was very rigorous. They, um, I believe that. I have the exact... So they wanted to see what their improvis- improvisation skills were like. Yeah. Um, obviously. And... Da-da. So they would enter the audition room, and they would be like, you just served 10 years of a 25-year prison sentence. Tell us why you should be due for parole. And that was like their prompt. And when Heather came in, they said, you've been on, like, they use the same analogy, but like, you killed your baby, you've served this sentence, why should you be for parole? And instead of like, overthinking it, they're like, why should we let, like, let you go for parole? She was like, I don't think you should. That was her response. Instead of trying to go into this, like, and they were gonna initially have it be three guys who did the film project, but they loved her, like, so much. It. They ended up making her the lead on it and the other guys the assistants. Nice. Um, a lot of people got motion sickness from this film, as you can imagine. Um, this is the only indie film that made the only indie film that made more than this at the time was Mi- My Big Fat Greek Wedding in 2002. But I think it still has the biggest profit margin. Okay. Being that it was $60,000 and they make two hundred and fifty million. So right, so that is kind of a thing. Um, the film uses the f word one hundred and fifty four times. Oh, let me tell you. Um, um, hold on, let me tell you all about that one. Yes. So um, my thought, um, I started watching the movie last night, like I was saying, um, and then it was eleven thirty, and I was like just at the part where they were like really starting to walk around the woods, and I was like, I don't know when things are going to get fucked up, so like I don't think I should watch this at eleven thirty at night. So I stopped. And then today, I was in class, not class, like my, I was in my classroom and I had a planning period. And then I just finished watching the movie, which is not the ideal way to use my planning period, but like, whatever. So I, but I knew I had already watched like 30 minutes of the movie. So I knew it was just swearing so much. So I put my ear, my earbuds in to watch it. And apparently one of my kids in my homeroom came to the door and like knocked on the door and like called me, like whispered to try to get my attention like five times. And I never even like looked up from my computer. And at the end of the day, when he came back for homeroom, he was like, Miss Lodick, I think that should be a commercial for those earbuds that you have because you did not know I was in the room at all. (laughs) 
And I was like, oh, bless his heart. But I was telling, I was telling Dan, I was like, the only reason I put the earpods in is because every fourth word in the movie is fuck. Truly. <laughs> Truly. So they had their own script. <laughs> and they were 23. Um, yeah, no, it was very, um, very overused. But, um, this is not the first found footage film we've seen. They had a movie called Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Holocaust in 1980. Um, but it's the first one that used the style of filming they did. The handheld non-stationary camera. Whereas everything else was stationary. And a lot going forward has been stationary too. Some of the films that have come out after it that are found footage, Paranormal Activity, like I mentioned, Wreck, which I have not seen, The oh Last Exorcism, which I have not seen, um, and then some non-horror shows, Cloverfield, Chronicle, and Project X. Um, I don't think any of them were great films. I'm very, very uh, particular about my found footage stuff. Yeah, um, you hate Paranormal Activity, like, a lot. Mm -hmm. Um... Which I, I get because they're not great, but I don't I don't mind paranormal activity. I particularly do not care for paranormal activity four. Um because I saw because I saw that one in the theater and it was when I was in college and I used to um Skype with um my boyfriend at the time to fall asleep, but all of the found footage in that film was through webcams. Mm. So then I couldn't have my laptop open. When I was sleeping, which meant I couldn't watch TV or Skype to fall asleep. And so then it fucked my whole life up. There's so many more horrors that come through the camera than a paranormal activity on a webcam. Well, um, okay. To be fair, I was drunken in college. So, like. Fair. Fair. Um, yeah. I, I only watched the first one, but I thought the storyline was lacking. I thought there was not enough momentum. And I didn't understand mine to be fair i the first one was okay it was it was not great but it was okay but to be fair i i don't think that as a whole series it was really worth the hype but they in the second and third one they flesh out the like actual legend and what is happening oh, a good. lot like it's it's they're all connected and like the second and third one explain so much of why mm. the first one happened and what like what is going on and what the ghost and activity is because i think what happened in the first one was i know obviously they pulled influence from blair witch and i think they were trying to pull from the idea of like the less you know the more your imagination works and they just didn't give you anything <laughs> to work with right right, right which right. was the and problem then, <laughs> and then they kind of realized that they fucked that up yeah. and the second one was like the second one was um i think the main character of the second one was like the sister of the girl from the first one and so like there was like backstory and shit i don't i don't remember all of it because i also um don't like scary movies like in general it's crazy that i have a fucking podcast about horror because i'd rather die than watch most scary movies um i mean i used to be a baby like three years ago i would not have watched paranormal activity i would have like died first yeah. and um, now i'm i am the death of death and aliens right who knows how did we get here we did it <laughs> um yeah but so there's it's influenced a lot there's one show that came out it's not complete found footage, and I have not finished it. But it's um, it's on Netflix, and I don't remember what it's called. Okay, but um, that's, you know, super helpful. 
Unless it was. I meant to look it up. Found footage Netflix show. Um, so it's it's a show, but then it's a lot of found footage explains what happened. And so there's a ton of found footage in it. Air Archive 81. It didn't finish oh, okay. it, to be fair. But I watched like five episodes of it. And I thought it was really well done. It's the first found footage I've watched since Blair Witch that I've been like, oh, okay. <laughs> this was a good use of found footage. I liked it. Okay. Um, the anagrams that I was going to tell you about. The yeah. name of Edwig, Ed, Ellie Kedward, which was the eponymous Blair Witch, was an anagram of the name Edward Kelly, who was a famous occultist, scryer, and alchemist. Um, okay. He reputedly had the ability to see spirits or angels in mirrors. And partnered up with fellow occultist John Dean. The name of the okay. mad hermit, Rustin Parr, that's what it was, not the house. The Rustin Parr, who was the hermit at the house, was initially based on an anagram of the name Gregory Rasputin, the so-called mad monk. So okay. um, that was the anagrams that I was trying to tell you earlier that they used. Um, we've had this happen before, but a screener copies were made a month before the home video release with the last 10 minutes missing from them oh. and a message telling the viewer to buy the VHS or DVD as a way to prevent the movie from being bootlegged and leaked online. Okay. Um, they, uh, Stephen King was in the hospital at the time and he asked his nephew, I forget who, someone in his family to bring him a copy of it to watch. And he turned it off halfway through and said it was too freaky, which is why I think it's made for a certain type of people mm -hmm. and i think stephen king is that type of person who's had spirals with terrible thoughts sometimes and and, here, um, and i feel like here is the moment here's the moment where we get into my real thoughts because you keep saying that it's made for a certain type of person i am apparently not that person because i so you spiraled down. I fucking hated it. I'm not even gonna lie to you. There were moments that I thought like were interesting, and I, I appreciate what it did for like found footage as a genre. And I I can't imagine the hype of having been around in '99 and the hype that went with the movie and people not knowing it was fictional. Like so, as an as an experience, right, I get it, but I was not scared for a single second. I fell asleep actually trying to finish it today after work. Um, I did not understand the plot and I hated all of the characters. So I was like, I don't think I am the person that this movie was made for at all because none of it affected me at one. It went the point where she was giving her speech and like crying and it was like the most like intense raw moment. I literally looked at my dad and goes, can someone just kill her so I can be put out of my misery? See, and I think that's because we look at these things so differently. Yeah. And, um, I mean, you look at it probably more from an acting standpoint, whereas I look at it from a writing standpoint. I look at it from the imagination that goes into it, and you look at what's there, and, yeah. like, you try to, you want to analyze what's happening instead of letting your mind just wander. And, um... I so I I get it. You're the one in two stars, and you're saying exactly what everyone said that rated it one in two stars. Yeah, and I and I, and I didn't look. I didn't look at any of the ratings. Like I didn't look at any of the ratings. I didn't look at what other people thought about it. I I knew going into it what it was, but like I didn't. But like I said before, I watched it. I was expecting to be horrified. Like I I've put off watching it for thirty years because I expected 
it to be scary. And I think it might have been the biggest waste of an hour and a half of my life. See, I wasn't scared when I watched it, but it stuck with me. And it was like, the more I thought about it and watching it again, it gave, like, I watched the movie for the first time 15 years ago. Okay. And I watched it again today and still, like, had chills at the end from, like, my mind's probably, like, I can't play the video game because my mind just, like, goes into too many dark places with it. It's, like, it's definitely a very much, you have to get, like, your mind has to wander into that place. Well, and I think, and I think it also depends. I think it also depends on like the context because like, I think Slenderman is the fucking most terrifying thing in the entire world. I've tried to play Slenderman video games. I've tried to read like the, like two sentence short stories. That shit. I want to vomit. It makes me, I, it is the scariest thing to me. See, and that doesn't, that doesn't affect me the same. Slenderman, doesn't bother me at all. It, it freaks me the fuck out. And I and I don't I don't know what it is because it's not it's not the lack of imagination, I don't think. I mean, because like it's I'm a different a, type of imagination. Right. Like I'm an English teacher. Like I, I get it. Like but I don't know. I just I couldn't because your imagination, you analyze a lot and you use your imagination to analyze, whereas I like yeah. I am analytical when it comes to like work. Which is so funny because like, I feel I, I feel like um you and I are like literally like the yin yang symbol because like you are so analytical about your personal relationships. Whereas I'm like the most dreamiest fucker in the world. But then you, you give me a book and I find a single fucking typo and I'm like, done. I have no feelings about this whatsoever. <laughs> and you give me a book and I can explain to you why someone in the world loves it. Even if I don't like, right. I, like when it comes to like the arts as a whole, like it's so funny because me and Noel have the same, same conversation all the time. First of all, we both hate a book of Mormon. It's it's rare that I just hate a theater show. You hate Book of Mormon? I hate Book of Mormon. It is my love show. Book of Mormon. And I didn't love Mean Girls. I'll say it. Everyone else gets on me for it. Those were the two that just didn't didn't hit for me. I, okay, I didn't see Mean Girls, to be fair. I didn't see it because we had it when I was in Thailand. Um, but I like the, the music's good. So I don't I don't know. Um I like the music much more than I listened to the music before I saw the show and I liked the music and then I didn't care for the show. Um, but I didn't, I didn't like hate it. And like, if somebody wanted to go see it, I'd go see it again. Book of Mormon. It's a good pay me to go see it again. That's so funny. I love Book of Mormon. I think it's the funniest shit, but you know what I hated? I hated Elf. Elf? Yeah. The musical of Elf. E or A? E. Elf. The, the musical of Elf? See, I haven't seen the musical, so I don't know anything about it. Oh, it... Uh, I also... I don't... I hated Aladdin. I loved Aladdin. I hated Aladdin. I love the music. I've seen it three times. I thought it was too long. I thought... I thought the things that they tried to do to be different than the movie were not successful. Like, <laughs> I... I adored it. <laughs> okay, what did you want to see? I liked it better than Lion King. I'll say it. I liked it better than Lion King. I liked it better than Frozen, but I wasn't a huge fan of Frozen. You had to be a fan of Frozen, so I don't know. I think you're biased. I'm probably a little biased because it was my first post-pandemic show, and I worked on it for a month and a half, so, like, I'm a little biased. And you became, like, besties with everyone in the cast. Correct. Um, But, no, my least favorite Disney theatrical is Aladdin by far. Mine is currently Frozen. By far. (laughs) which but again we just we just look at things 
very differently. So it's so funny that we have so many shows that we both love because we love them for so such different reasons. Because when we hate something, we hate it for very different reasons. Right. Because like I hate Book of Mormon. Noelle hates Book of Mormon. I loved Wednesday. She hated Wednesday. Like it's a whole thing. Like it's it's so wild to me how people can analyze things so differently. And you know what I'm you know what I'm currently loving that I'm afraid I'm the only person on planet Earth that's loving other than my middle schoolers. Bless them. The National Treasure TV show on Disney I haven't Plus. Watched it yet. Oh, I am so in. It just released I, though, like last week, wasn't it? No, it's on like the fifth episode. Oh my god, I am so behind the times. <laughs> I did. I did like leave reality for like two and a half weeks. That's fair. Yeah, so. no. It, this the 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 episode that comes out on Wednesday, the eleventh, is the sixth episode. Oh, maybe I'll watch it when it's over. I'm, you know, I like to watch everything when it's over. <laughs> I, I did watch 1984 or something that was on. No, that's not right. That's the book. That's the book. I don't know. It was a Netflix show that was on your television dreams. I started at the top and I picked one that was like less than eight episodes. I watched it. It was terrible. Oh, I'm sure it was. I that nothing on that nothing on my uh, thing is ranked by whether it's intelligent or not. It's, no, it's not alphabetical order. order. I'm going yeah, to, I'm picking one show in each alphabet. Oh, Let okay, it. great. I'm uh, so sorry. Yeah, I we just like, and I think because I mean I come at everything from a writer standpoint, and I like, I'm like everyone. This is here's the thing. <laughs> as dark of a person as I lean to. I want every person who has ever done anything creative to be appreciated by someone. I don't care if I don't like it. I don't care, but I want to find what's good about it. And I would, I hate Book of Mormon. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad someone enjoyed it. But like, well, a lot of people enjoyed it. And one of them Tony's. So I never feel bad saying I hate it. No, and that that's like, totally fair. And it's funny though, because like, I, I do, I don't, you know what? I don't look at the difference is I don't look at things from the writing standpoint. I look at them from the reader standpoint, because as an English teacher, the thing that made me the angriest in my English courses in college was when a professor told me what a poet was saying. I'm oh like, God. you've never, you never fucking met the man. You don't know. Like the worst was he would try to tell me what like Lord Byron and like William Blake were saying in romantic poetry. And I was like, Sir, Someone on God's green earth. I'm like Lord. I'm like Lord Byron was like sleeping with men, women, and children. Like you can't tell me what he was thinking ever. Like fuck no. off. No, he's um, the farthest thing you know how to like decipher. Which actually, he's my author of the month right now, and I didn't put too many details about his life because a lot of them are fucked up. But like, it's fine. Um, but I did talk about how he invented the Byronic hero, and I have pictures of Captain Jack Sparrow and Snape and Snape on my bulletin board because that's what makes middle schoolers excited. So. <clears throat> My seventh graders are obsessed with Johnny Depp, like terrifyingly so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I look, I look at things from the reader standpoint. So like, my problem is I don't care how hard it was to write it or how much blood, sweat, and tears, or like what you had to think of or the journey you had to get on to get there. If I can't pick out a theme and a plot and a conclusion, like if I can't do a fucking story arc on it, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's really what it is that's why plot holes irk me in a way that other people are like, no, but I get it from like the character would do this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I can't draw the graph and post it on my bulletin board. It doesn't make sense. That's why I'm very interested for you to be one of the people that reads my book because you know how much I love leaving things kind of open for like people to decipher. I've made my spoiler alert. If you read my book in three years when it's finally out, um, 
I've made my character, like my main character, completely unidentifiable. Like, but, but sometimes, sometimes that makes sense. Like the reason, and I stand by this 125%, the reason Twilight is successful is because Bella doesn't have a personality. Bella is the worst written character on the fucking face oh, of literature. Well, my character has a, a personality. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but you don't know what she looks like because I don't explain. Uh, I explain what she wears. I explain her personality, but I never tell you what she looks like because my reasoning behind it. I want everyone to feel like they could be that character. Well, and that's, and that's why Bella is written as blank as she is, is for every teenage girl to pick up that book and see herself as Bella. No matter how, what kind of teenage girl you are, you can fall in love with Edward or Jacob because every girl is Bella because Bella is nobody. Yep. And, and that is. Which was easy writing, but genius writing right i think it's i think it's fascinating because i don't know as an english teacher i look at that and i go this is the interpretation of bella and this is how i would teach the book if i were to teach it i don't know for a second if stephanie meyer thought that far into writing it yeah and a lot of times that's why like when i take movies or books i come at them from that standpoint of if i can't figure out what what you wanted to do i try to interpret what i think you wanted to do you may have just been a bad writer but right. I can make up a story to go along with it. And then I'm like, oh, this is nice. I like the way this went. I'm going to give you credit for it. Like, you made my imagination take off in the direction it needed to if go. You, if you can make me believe that the characters as real people would have still made those choices, mm-hmm. I can forgive blips. But, like, that's why, like, in this, I had such a hard time with it because it wasn't a very fleshed out plot but I also didn't like any of the people. And that is, for me, for me, I have to, like, that's why, like, Bates Motel, I get so stuck in the fact that, like, I believe in my core that some of these people are good people. And, like, I, once I realized that, like, Alex Romero was my dream man, um, then the, I've had a totally different view of the show, but I've been looking at it from the perspective of saving this one character. And Blair Witch, because I did not like any of them i didn't care that they died in the end i was like okay like you know i wicked do i like wicked i love wicked okay but (laughs) i no no i love wicked i've read all five books and i I didn't know there were five i read three books no maybe there's only four there might only be four um but i've read the entire series um and i read the first book before like i knew all the music i read the book then i saw the musical see i read the book (laughs) then i listened to music then i saw the musical so i went from space story to listening to the music to seeing the show yeah and i i love wicked i do also think it's super super overhyped like i'm not even gonna lie um i loved it a lot more in 2003 when i was 11 than i do now at 30 like but I also, I think Idina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth are some of my favorite actresses in, like, their abilities. And so, like, yeah. I was coming at it from a musical theater standpoint. Um, but also... The I think thing it's because, that- I mean, this is a lot of things we talk about in Unseen Artist, my yeah. nonprofit you should follow. But um, the shows that make it are the big musical productions. It well, doesn't but- always matter how good they are. Which matters- is fair. Which is fair. But I also, like... I'm the person that my favorite thing from top, bottom, music, costume, lights, anything, 
My favorite thing about Wicked, and this is going to show you how much of a fucking nerd I am. Like, I'm about to just blow myself up. My favorite thing in the entirety of the everything, and I've read every book about it and everything about Wicked, is the lyrics of Dancing Through Life. When Fiero sings about being, because when, no, 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 because when Fiero sings that life is painless when you're brainless, it is the most intense, ironic foreshadowing for what's going to happen to him. And that's the shit that I stick to. Like the whole plot could be garbage, but you write one foreshadowing element that deep and I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. And and so very well done. But, but, and it's things like that. It's, it's clever writing. It's clever writing with that has true literary elements of foreshadowing and like breath and the, 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 that is the stuff that I live for. The music can be catchy and I will still never believe you. Like for the story, like I, I haven't seen it yet. So don't hate me. I'll have different opinions when I really actually see it on stage. I hate six. But I also, but I also, I also love six because I think that the music is amazing, but also it's not true. So here's the thing about six. Um, I got a full disc- like full layout from Noelle, who is very similar to you <laughs> to start. She tells me everything I need to know about everything. She just knows it. I don't know. And so she tells me, she's like, do you know why I like this lyric? She's like, there's a lyric about, um, look, I am not the one who knows everything about Henry VIII, but Jane Seymour, I think is the one it was, said something about not knowing, like, Anne Boleyn or something, and then they ended up being, like, cousins, or, like, somebody related, like, some of the lyrics were like, oh, I don't even know them or something, and it was like, they're cousins, so, like, they have lyrics like that, you just kind of have to, like, pick them out, Mm -hmm. and, um, See, Six is one of my favorite shows to see because if I'm in a bad mood, love the music, I don't have to, like, like, I can go and think about it and hear the lyrics and they connect, like, to different parts of, like, history. Not 100% true, but some of them do directly yeah. connect to history. And then I can also go in and just be there. My opinion will change once I actually physically see the show. Because I'm sure from everything I've heard of the experience, yes. But I, because I am obsessive about the royal family, particularly Henry VIII, and my favorite thing in the entire world is Anne Boleyn's journey, like, to becoming queen. Like, I'm, I could tell you every detail about her life and how she got to where she was. Um in the her song in six she specifically talks about being a party girl and hating politics which is fucking the least accurate portrayal of a historical figure ever and that's like that's such a way they use that like it's clearly not true and the way that they show it is so off the cuff that you know that it's not real okay the, the hidden lines are the ones that are real Okay. You should go, my homework for you, go look, look at the lyrics for um, Jane Seymour. Okay. And, and she's, my God, she should win every award that's ever. Samantha Polly should win every award that's ever been given to anyone. She's incredible. Um, well, but so, I, I mean, I'm watching The Crown right now for the first time. 
Do you love it? I hated it. I love <laughs> to be fair. it. I watched one episode and I fell asleep four times and I was like, I'll try to get another one. I, well, to be fair, the episodes are long. I don't, it's one of the shows that like Dan and I are watching it and he's already seen it, but like he knows that I'm obsessive. Um, and to be fair, he is a little bit too. Um, but we watch like one, maybe two a week. We're still in season two and we started this like months ago because they're long and they're heavy. But like, I loved Rain. See, I haven't. I didn't. I didn't finish watching Rain, but I didn't care for it as much. But The Crown is so real, and that's, that's and that's what I love about it is because, like, obviously there are things that are not exactly correct and everything, but like they don't shy away from shit that's not that pretty, and it's it's so real. Like, I just watched the episode where. Um, Queen Elizabeth finds out that her uncle was supporting Hitler when he and like that not only was everything so well done and so raw and like you were seething with anger at the end of the episode then when they ended the episode they ended it with a montage of the actual pictures of King Edward with Hitler and it was like a punch in the gut because it was that moment where you're like fuck everything I just watched actually happened. And that is why I love that show so much is because it, it humanizes them without taking away from what actually happened. And sometimes when you have things where it's like historical dramas, it like modernizes people and humanizes them in a way that like takes away from history. Um, I have no idea how we got here from the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) For our movie nights, because that's what I'm calling them now, we're going to discuss a bit of the movie, but it's going to be, like, no, the no. reason we're discussing them is because they have an effect on the film community, which yeah. this had a found footage genre effect. Yeah. There's a lot of behind the scenes that are going to contribute to the making of the film, why it's the way it is. It's going to either have... A storyline that catches you in the sense of Last Night in Soho. It's going to have great um, horror elements such as urban legends, or it's going to be just classic cult iconic like Blair Witch. I am trying my best to find films that are going to create discussions and create these kind of things that may or may not all be connected. But in the end, I mean, we're talking characters, we're talking plot, we're talking. And I think. If you've made it this far into our ramblings, I think the thing is, like, when I started doing this podcast with Monica, I just wanted to talk about TV and movies. And I tend to watch a lot of sci-fi. And it started as being sci-fi and horror because I felt like that was something that Monica and I could both talk about. And now it's kind of our brand. And I kind of love that that's what we do because I think it's more niche than what a lot of other podcasts are doing. But when... Courtney joined it changed the dynamic in a sense that Courtney and I are both very much a part of the arts and literature world in a way that Monica wasn't which is not a fault of hers it's just a no. fact she, I mean she knew way more about the like oh, shit. Effects, the oh, makeup yeah. like my god she's incredible and she, she knew things that I don't even know what she's talking about but like but we, you, court, you and I, Courtney, are just on a, like, we are in a very similar um, alley in the art world. And we both just, like, 
really love to talk about this stuff and don't necessarily have another outlet. So I kind of love when we go off on these tangents because like, this is the shit that we're doing it for. Like, yes, the horror and the sci-fi are great. And we're talking about awesome shows and movies that we really are loving. And like, we love the characters and we love sharing that with you guys. But like the, the ranting about like what makes things good and bad and like where we, our passion is, is like, that's why we have the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, I mean, that's what our whole lives are. That's why I'm, you work in theater. I no. work in everything. Well, you, yeah, you work in, I work in theater. Like I am yeah. in the arts. You teach English. You're very invested in literature. You're very much in the theater world. You've grown mm-hmm. up in theater. Yeah. And like, it's just, we're both, you know, we're in those worlds and we, we know people in those worlds and we know how hard it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we know how underappreciated and how so many of the really big things go get overlooked, whether it be a genius plot line that no one saw happening because it was the B line or because like some incredible acting that was so subtle that you just didn't notice it. Right. And like, we want to make sure that we're pointing that out and we're like, you know, talking about it because those things are important. Those are the things that really make like the arts. It's the passion behind it. And you don't always see that just by watching a popular mm-hmm. TV show or watching yeah. something that other people like, you know? Right. Like there's ratings and then there's like art. <laughs> and those don't yeah. always really point No, for sure. For sure. Because some of the best movies I've ever seen are rated garbage. I mean, my very favorite movie that if if I'm having the absolute worst day and I just need an escape, I wish Accepted. That's probably yeah. one of the dumbest movies is ever created. I was going to say that is not... No... It is my go-to film. Justin Long is hilarious. I love him as a human. I think he's an incredible, like, person. Um, I think he's a good actor. Oh, yeah. I know that he's winning awards, but I think he's a good actor. I think he's an incredible person. And um, that movie, I always can just kind of disconnect. I watch that. If I'm in a weird mood in that place, or if I'm, like, trying to get my mind off stuff, I watch Alice in Wonderland, the original cartoon. Those are yeah. my two and like neither of those are winning awards in either of their categories i mean i'm trying to think like i don't have a ton that i rewatch. i was trying to yeah. dance fa- dance family are big like rewatchers. like they have this movies I'm that they watch rewatchers. they they have movies that they watch all the time and they talk about it and they like know every detail about certain scenes and they quote movies to each other all the time and i was explaining to them last night i was like it's not that i haven't seen any of these movies i don't re-watch movies and it's not because I don't think they're good. And like, there are definitely movies that I will watch again. There are movies that I've seen a hundred times, but I don't rewatch movies because I don't, I just want to know. I want to see everything. I want a piece of everything. And it's not like the one, I don't know. I think the one movie that I will rewatch anytime I really need to just feel everything is Beauty and the Beast the original like the 1992 cartoon and like 91 sorry 91 cartoon that's it used to be my biggest rotation that is that is the thing that i watch the most that's the thing that i watch the most but like I, or and the other one which goes into the you and justin long and accepted situation is the other movie that i will really watch over and over and over again and i know every single line to and i will never ever not watch it is billy madison See, Which, 
<laughs> like it's not an outlet. It's not. No one is pretending that that is high class cinema. No, I don't think Adam Sandler is even pretending that that is high no, class cinema. He's not. he's not. But there's just something about that movie that it it probably has to do with who I watched it with and when I watched it and like the first time and all of that stuff, or just how dumb the comedy is. With and there's a left there's a level of dumb that makes it smart, and then there's a level of dumb that's just dumb. Like I don't find Family Guy funny. I don't find Family Guy funny at all. I, I used to be a big Family Guy fan. <laughs> well, and and I and, well, the and fact I don't, that it was dumb comedy, right? But and like and then there are some people that like love it, and I don't hate them for that. I just don't personally think that it is funny. It I don't I don't it doesn't get to me. But you put an Adam Sandler movie on, and I don't care how many poop jokes he giggles at, I'm laughing like it's fucking the end of the world. Yeah. And that's how I'm with Accepted. I mean, their school is called the South Harvard Institute of Technology. Genius comedy. <laughs> is it not? 10 out of 10. Absolutely. So, like, yeah. I mean, we'll sit here and we talk about the ins and outs of TV and film yeah. every day. But yeah. when it comes down to it, everyone's going to have a comfort film. Everyone's yeah. going to have a comfort show. And, like, everyone has a go-to even for new stuff, like I'm watching, so I very much promoted Spiderhead recently. I don't know if you remember me telling you about that. It was Miles Teller yeah. and Chris Hemsworth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I read like a week ago that it's on the list of the top five worst movies of 2021, 2022, whatever the last year was. Nice. And I was like, I thought Fantastic. it was fun. And so like, you know, it's, I, everyone likes things differently. So just because right, we, don't right. with us, we don't agree with you, we don't agree with each other. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything except that we want to talk about the arts. I mean, okay, like that, to be fair, um, when you look at the worst movies of all time, I don't think I've ever seen a list of the worst movies of all time that doesn't have Batman and Robin on it. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Which that, one? Is that the one with... um? Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze and Poison with Armin as Poison Ivy? It is... Yeah, yeah, it's oh. it's not um high quality theater for sure, but it's but know, it is it's a classic for us too. Like, I mean, okay. also it's going to depend on what year you're in, like what your um generation is that affects a lot of it, right? So, man, we have talked for two hours about an insane amount of topics. Yes, and I hope that something reached you all. I had a great time <laughs> and I hope you had a great time because you're here with me. Yeah, um, I did. I hope all of you listening had a, had a decent time and connected. If you have thoughts about anything we said, um, if accepted is your go-to movie, let me know if you have a like unnecessarily like unwavering crush on Justin Long that doesn't make sense. Please let me know. If I think you, if you also believe that Will Ferrell is dumb and plays the same because he plays the same character in every movie, but somehow forgive Adam Sandler for playing the same character in every movie, please. Hallelujah. Can I tell you? Yes. I hate Will Ferrell. And I'm, every time somebody, every time somebody asks me why I'm like, he doesn't act. He plays the same character in every movie. And they're like, but Adam Sandler is your favorite comedian. And I'm like, it's different. It doesn't help. It doesn't matter. Is it called? Eight Days of Christmas is that the animated yes. one? 
Yeah, I watched that last year for the first or the year before for the last the first time, and I was like, "This is terrible." I don't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) Adam Sandler being Adam Sandler, like, yeah, you're so so right. But yeah, so you guys have any of the same feelings? That's different feelings as us. If you just want to talk about movies or shows, we're here. You can find us everywhere at Death and Aliens. You can email us deathandaliens at gmail.com. You can find me specifically at cecloud13. And you can find me at emkay underscore superstar. And after this very long episode, which is fine because we had a very short episode last week, we'll see you on Sunday for our wrap-up of Season 2 for Stargate with hopefully a special guest. Thanks so much, guys, for listening. Bye. Bye.